Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning, Karen. Good morning, everyone. Happy birthday, Emily and Jeff. So it's uh, I think it's a pretty cool day to have as a birthday. I, you know, there's a a day in March that's a little better than this one in October, but I, I say it's right <laughs> up there, maybe top ten right. or so on you. Yeah. Right. Hey, Al, did you see the front of today's uh, Free Press, the local and state? They talked about Operation Indy. The injured pelican was rescued, but then it had to be euthanized. It was a sad story, but it talking about how this the uh, folks from the Aspen Acres Wildlife Rehabilitation and Farm Sanctuary in Wasika oversaw a rescue of an injured pelican on Indian Lake. Sadly, the guy didn't make it. And Jane Dow took charge. She's the one who's uh, always involved with, you know, recycling plastics and get, getting rid of plastics and things. So, yeah, kind of a sad story about that pelican. Well, it, it, there was a good part in that all those good folks came out yeah. to try to rescue a, a bird for for no gain whatsoever. So that's a wonderful thing. And sadly, I've kind of had the same success rate, I guess, on pelicans that I have. I'm putting air quotes around rescued uh, because by the time I get them, they're usually in such rough shape. Otherwise, I can't catch them. They're just, uh, they're, they're, that's a big bird, and you just can't uh, keep up with them no matter how you try in a canoe or something. So by the point I get them, they're in pretty rough shape. So uh, Well, this case, they said that they the um, all of the other pelicans had left, and this one, or this one was left after all the other ones had gone, so it had a broken wing, and I just couldn't. But, you know, if the one thing you said, there was no gain, but at least it created awareness about the importance of, you know, getting rid of plastics and things that can, can injure these and damage yeah. these birds and things. And I should say no personal gain. Yeah, There's right. Certainly, yeah. And uh, the ones I get very often have hit a uh, utility wire oh. with their wing. Uh, a couple of them, it sheared part of their wing off, so then they can't fly. Last winter, I uh, kept an eye on two of them. The one was injured and the other one stayed, and we like to think it you know, it was because they were in love and were a pair, but who knows what was going on there. But there were two of them that stayed uh, all winter as long as the water stayed open, and then they moved into where there was aeration on a lake. So they were there, and they had plenty of food, and they were still there in the spring, and then I kind of lost track of them when all the other pelicans came in. Then you had hundreds or maybe thousands of them around there, so I couldn't pick those two out anymore. So I'll I'll maybe see uh, come uh, once the ice starts coming on the lakes again. I'll have to go check to see if those two. I have not named them yet. Somebody asked, <laughs> "Well, they must have a name," and I said, "No, I, I just I haven't yet." But Al and Gail. I'm naming them Al and Gail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, After some... it was pretty pretty cool to see them. You know, in in the winter to see a couple pelicans in Minnesota, and uh, again, I know one had a, a bad wing. But the other one just stuck by the side, so Aww. it was uh, it was kind of heartwarming, like a, a a good lifetime movie. As a, you know, as a guy, I can say that I guess a good lifetime movie. Hey, Al, I saw my first uh, blue jays this year. They were in the backyard yesterday, running around, well, flying around. So are they on the move, or what's the deal? Why all of a sudden there's blue jays? Yeah, and uh, Hawk Ridge, uh, we're probably all aware that Hawk Ridge counts. Uh, counts raptors but at the end of september i got a note from them and they said a 
approximately 22,000 birds. 10% were raptors and 90% were other migrating birds. They counted 110 species since August 15th. I don't know from August 15th to what date. It didn't say there. But the non-raptor migrant flights in August were dominated by cedar waxwings. Oh. Hmm. But then they had 21 identified warbler species that were going through. Tennessee was number one, Nashville number two. And there was a moderate push of common nighthawks. But later, cliff swallows were the most abundant aerial insectivore moving south other than common nighthawks. But now uh, blue jays and broadwing hawks became their highest uh, counts and the broadwing hawks have kind of tamed down now but blue jay numbers are high and they are every year it's a wonderful place to go hawk ridge the broadwing hawk peak migration is usually from september 10th to oh gosh not the end maybe the 25th of september somewhere in there and one year september 15th 2003 they counted 101,698 broadwing hawks in one day. And the record seasonal high was, as you might imagine, also in 2003 when they counted 160,703 blue jays, or blue jays, broadwing hawks. But back to your blue jays, yeah, this is during migration for them. So they are coming. We might get some from, who knows, Canada or somewhere down here in our yard. We'll also see a lot of yellow-rumped warblers as they are migrating through. Uh, we'll see starling murmurations and many meadowhawk dragonflies. And the males are pretty striking. They're little, small dragonflies, but they'll be red, the males. And I see these guys into November some years, so they are tough. They don't survive the severe cold, but they can take uh, some minor frost or I watched uh, Franklin's gulls. I think they're lovely. And there's three large wetlands that have been used repeatedly as nesting sites in Minnesota over the past 100 years. Agassiz National Wildlife Refuge, uh, Thief Lake Wildlife Management Area. Those are both in, boys, at Marshall County, I want to say. And then Heron Lake in Jackson County where they have not seen them for a while now, as far as I'm aware, as far as nesting activities at Heron Lake. The breeding adults have these beautiful black heads. They have white crescents above and below the eyes. And the upper parts are dark gray. The legs and the bills are reddish. But now I'm seeing them in non-breeding plumage. The black heads have been reduced to oh, a patchy black to gray hood covering the top of the head and the neck. The forehead and the throat have become white, and the legs and the feet turn nearly black, as does the bill. They've been reddish. Now they're turning black. The bill will have a reddish tip, and it's named after, and everybody says, oh, I bet it's Ben Franklin, because that's what I'd say. They're named after the Arctic explorer Sir John Franklin, and they originally called Franklin's Rosy Gulls, because it has, uh, the gulls have a rosy-colored breast and belly. Early settlers, however, our ancestors, what they call them? Prairie doves. So it's uh, they're beautiful, I think. There's, I was walking 
I walked for the joy of it, and something fell right in front of my nose the other day, and then something else dropped near my ear. So I stepped to the side and peered upwards into a birch tree where a fox squirrel was hulling a walnut. And why it wasn't doing that in a walnut tree, I don't know. I don't think it was trying to hit me, but, you know, I can't say for sure. He could very well could have been trying to drop it on my melon. And a fellow in Fargo, and I wish I remembered his name, uh, returned home after like a four-day trip to discover his parked Chevy pickup truck near a walnut tree had become a storage pantry for walnuts, thanks to a busy <laughs> fox squirrel. And the man, re- he removed 42 gallons of oh black walnuts, gosh. and he said each bucket averaged 26 pounds of walnuts <laughs> and they were stored in his truck's engine compartment under the hood and around the around the fenders so walnuts fall from trees encased in this fragrant green husk that helps protect the meat and the most notable consumer of the nut is the fox squirrel so as much as 10 percent of their diet can be uh, walnuts I watched a video of a red squirrel, the tiny squirrel, taking eight minutes to hull one walnut. So it's it's quite a job, and it's a noisy because I could hear him up there, this fox squirrel gnawing. Of course, he could have been laughing too, because he almost got me with that hull. But according to there's something that we get to, I get every year is called the Finch forecast. They say there will be no bumper crop of birch seed in North America this winter. So that gives a potential for a moderate to good flight south of red poles. Uh, I love seeing red poles there, such beautiful little birds. So maybe we'll get a bunch of them this year. So um, as fall deepens and late fall and winter, look for red poles on birches in weedy fields and at at bird feeders that offering Niger and black oil sunflower seeds. They are beautiful little birds. A study published by Bird Life International shows that 49% of the roughly 11,000 bird species in the world are in decline, and one in eight species is currently threatened with extinction. Bird Life found somewhere between 21 and 32 bird species would have gone extinct since 1993 without con- conservation work. Cindy Drill of North Mankato saw her first junco on October 2nd. Uh, Vicki LaRune of Mankato asks, what could be done to keep birds from flying into windows? Now, these are birds that fly in the windows and hit them hard. These aren't the cardinal or the robin that's fighting with the window because it sees its image in there. These are birds that are, you know, just fly on full speed and hit that. Here are some suggestions, Vicki, and oh my gosh, i got so many of them here, and it's hard to explain them fully on the radio, but I'll give it a shot. You can take one-eighth-inch diameter nylon cords that dangle about four inches apart on the window's exterior. You can put insect screens. They're effective at reducing the reflectiveness of glass and offer a buffer between the bird and glass. You can put a bird screen that's designed to go on the exterior windows and prevent bird collisions. You can make a curtain of tout 
monofilament lines spaced three inches apart on the window's exterior. There are dot stickers, and, and they just like they sound, little stickers that are dots applied to the outside of windows. You'd want to put them in a two-inch by two-inch grid. They're effective, and amazingly, our eyes quickly adjust to them. There's translucent bird tape that can be applied directly to the glass. Uh, the American Bird Conservancy, I know, has some of those. There's uh, window films that can be applied to the window's exterior. I think it's called bird safety window film, I believe. Um, David Allen Sibley used a highlighter like one of those yellow highlighters, to draw a grid on the interior glass. or a, And he said it. Uh, he's still studying to see how, how effective that is. Or you can put a bar, take a bar of soap to draw a pattern on a window. Uh, you can paint the outside of the glass with tempera paint uh, decals. And it doesn't matter if they're shaped like a hawk. I know we all put shape these hawk-shaped things on there, I think because we like looking at it, but it doesn't frighten the birds away. They don't say, oh, my goodness, a hawk. <laughs> but you can put those decals on there uh, or liquid or coated glass that reflect ultraviolet light. A lady from Iowa told me she was putting white window chalk on there and was going to see how that works. You can close the window shades or blinds. That doesn't work when a robin or cardinal's fighting with the window, but here it keeps them from seeing all the way through, so they don't. They think it's a closed road, not a through road. And turn off the lights at night. And once again, plastic owls do not work. Uh, the International Crane Foundation is hosting the first annual Great Midwest Crane Fest this fall. It will be November 10th through the 12th, and this is to celebrate the annual migration of Sandhill Cranes through Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, some of you might say, what the heck is that? That's a, a state to the east of us always. Uh, they've partnered with the Aldo Leopold Foundation and will be hosting crane viewing tours, uh, wildlife photography workshops, conservation lectures, nature walks, and all kinds of good things. Uh, speaking of uh, Hawk Ridge, we have our own local Hawk Ridge here, and that's in Mankato. And Chad Hines, they have it at Bethany and Land of Memories Park. On Saturday, I got a note from Chad, said typically at this time of year, our counters are riding the high that is the broadwing hawk migration. Swirling kettles and counts into the thousands have a way of doing this, and it propels us into the red tail season. Our last sub-1,000 Broadwing year was in 2013. We've had a couple of dark morph red tails in the last week, but the weather is almost too nice for migration to really kick into high gear. There's a possibility that conditions are once again steering birds around us rather than over us as northerly winds are strong over the eastern Great Lakes as they head towards the depression of what is left of the hurricane. So the broadwing hawk numbers were down considerably this year. Mm -hmm. uh, the National Eagle Centers, they do every year, is having eagle trips. So they will be having field trips on December 17th. That'll be a Golden Eagle one, and then there'll also be a Golden Eagle one on February 4th. 
There'll be bald eagle trips on March 4th and on April 8th. If you're interested in that, uh, just go to National Eagle Center. Just um, Google that, and they will give you all kinds of information on those field trips. A uh, black-throated blue warbler was seen at Flandro State Park in New Ulm by Sharon Holzer. They are beautiful birds. Uh, Brad Abendroth saw a pine warbler in Nicollet County. And equally, they're all beautiful birds. Uh, Doug Keezer in Watwan County saw a clay-colored sparrow. And Bob Williams saw a buff-breasted sandpiper in Sibley County. Here in the yard, our ground is just crawling with uh, white-throated sparrows and Lincoln sparrows. So it's really neat to see them. They're beautiful birds, and they white-throated sparrows. If I said white crown, I apologize. They're white-throated sparrows and Lincoln sparrows. And the white-throated sparrows are whistling. They're, they are just whistling. They're like the, the seven dwarfs. They whistle while they do pretty much everything. <laughs> hey, Al, you know what? I was driving back from the lake house last night, and the frogs have started moving because every year there's a certain time when the road will be covered with frogs jumping across the road, and they have just started. Not very many, but a few. So they're going from the the swamp side to the lake side so tell tell us a little bit about that when i mean does there something that tells them we better get going and move somewhere safer or or what yeah and i imagine there's a number of things that come into play there a little bit uh maybe they go by day length there's certainly some instinctual things that probably come into play um the temperatures uh, getting a little cooler and they will spend uh, their summers in wet meadows and around swamps and sloughs. And, and then they want to head off and, and go to a lake uh, this time of year. And those are leopard frogs, yes. I'm guessing. And they're great hoppers. I mean, yes. they jump up high. And I always, uh, it's, boy, some nights when it's a little rainy and you're coming home and here's all these guys <laughs> trying to get off and I oh, you know, you can't dodge them all and there's a semi right on your rear end and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is, but it's, uh, I, I like seeing them. They're great looking frogs and I just hope, uh, hope they all make it. Well, see, that's uh, the way I was. I was like, all of a sudden I saw one, I'm, I thought, I wonder if there's more and sure enough there was and I thought about the dodging thing. It's like, I there's no way you can because sometimes there are just so many it's it's almost like the plague of you know the the, the plagues of locusts or whatever coming coming across the road and you think whoa this anyway it's just really amazing what nature does it it is and i think their full name is the northern leopard frog i hope i'm right on that and again come fall they typically migrate toward uh, the shoreline of a pond or lake how do they stay do they stay on the edge of the mud or or what do they do i i'm just curious because i don't know how they actually sleep or hibernate or whatever they call it they cannot tolerate freezing temperatures so when it begins cooling off in october and november they I guess you'd call them irregularly spotted. They're really beautiful frogs. But they will travel up to two miles. That's a lot of hopping, two miles. And then they will enter the water and spend the winter months hibernating on the bottom of ponds. And they are sometimes covered with a thin layer of silt, uh, sometimes not. But usually they clear the area on either side of themselves to facilitate respiration. 
And movement, if there is any movement at all, it's very slow. And again, uh, they got to get in there because they don't do well with with cold weather. We, we all have friends like that that just say, "Boy, as soon as it starts getting cold, they, you know." I just talked to a friend this morning via the email that's um, all excited about heading to Texas, so and can't wait to get out. Uh, I might add that he goes a little earlier every year. It used to be it was after Christmas, and now it's. Uh, I'm sure it'll be this month when he's out of here. He just wants to get down there. And it, yeah, just kind of somebody asked, were Canada geese nearly extinct? Yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? You look out everywhere you go. There's a Canada goose. They're just there. Uh, Canada geese were in decline at the beginning of the 20th century because of unregulated hunting. And then they passed the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918, and that established regular hunting seasons. But then by, oh, early 60s, the drainage of wetlands brought them to the brink of extinction once again in the eastern United States. But efforts by uh, conservationists, helped reestablish Canada goose population. And I know I mention this often as a farm kid, being out in the field or chasing the cows up, I'd watch them fly over in the spring, heading to Canada, I figured, and then I'd watch them fly over in the fall, headed to who knows where. And I always thought, boy, I would love to just fly along with them to see what <laughs> what they can see up there. I never dreamed they'd be everywhere I go, and they kind of are now. Uh, they just and we get them on Christmas bird counts. We get a lot of them some years, uh, depending on how much water is open. They're just tough. Uh, you, you have to say uh, for Canada geese, they're great Minnesotans because man, they can take whatever our weather throws at them, and uh, they can do it with a honk. And why do they honk like that? I suppose it's because they can't wave. You know, it's like us in the car. If people don't see us, if they're if they're out in the garden with their back turned, we can't wave. So we honk, and maybe that's what geese do too. But you, you gotta like them. They are beautiful, beautiful animals, and they uh, their lawn care skills are extraordinary because they they mow the lawn and then they fertilize it. So they're doing everything out there. So Al, I've got a I got a listener that texted in says I have seen murmurations with red wing blackbirds and it seems like the other types of blackbirds are mixed in. What types of birds are in a murmuration? Yeah, you you get some uh, starlings are the ones that are famed for it because they do those uh, changing shapes and they morph into different things and. But you can get those blackbirds with the red-winged blackbirds maybe being the primary ones, but you also might get some starlings in there. You might get some grackles. You could get some cowbirds. There might even be some uh, brewers' blackbirds in there. And these are those long, twisting flights that we see going across. Well, we'll start seeing it as they go across harvested fields. The beans are really coming out. So you see these long flights of these blackbirds, and um, that's a, a good sighting. They're really beautiful, and they 
they twist and they just seem to go on endlessly and they're just going out to feed and then they're coming back and going to roost and it's the time of year where they just move around fall migrations a little different than spring migration for so many birds because in the spring man you got to make good time you got to get there you got to get the right territory if you don't get there another bird might take it you got to get there if you're a male you got to get there before the females do so you just say ta-da here i am look like look at this beautiful place this time of year you're just saying man you know we should get south but we got time let's just (laughs) stop and we can we can go here and we can go there so it's a much more leisurely uh, migration than the spring one is so it gives us an opportunity to see these huge flocks of uh, blackbirds moving from here to here and they find places to eat so um, yeah that's a, a great uh, great mention uh, what insect is a prairie alligator I'll give everybody a minute to say what in the world's a prairie alligator it's a walking stick uh, so oh, well, that's not very scary. I was thinking alligator, because <laughs> there was a picture from down in Florida that showed, I don't know, it was a crocodile or an alligator that had floated in somebody's basement because, you know, of all the flooding. And they showed a picture of this giant, I think it was a crocodile, in, in the basement. And, and I thought, oh, no, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we just, uh, you know, we don't have... What do we got going on in our basement? Oh, you'll see a cricket or something yeah. once in a while. But or silverfish a, things, those little... Yeah, or, it's just or maybe a millipede or centipede or something, too. The, the typical things you get in basements, I guess. But, yeah, walking sticks. And my nephew, Neil, took a photo of one. He had it on his hand, and beautiful as young ones. So it was pretty green. But, yeah, prairie alligators, stick bugs, specter, which I think is a great name, but stick insect, devil's horse, witch's horse. And they share a name that dragonflies also get, a devil's darning needle. So it's uh, it's neat to see them. I don't see many. Uh, one time I led uh, umpteen uh, walks with kids, everything from uh, senior high to uh, college kids down to preschoolers and head start and those little kids could find walking sticks and praying mantises they were just amazing i suppose they're down there their height but then they got those beautiful eyes they can just see everything hey thanks everybody for sitting on the front porch uh, with us you have some things from the bad joke department today you all know bad jokes and some people say you mean (laughs) dad jokes yeah (laughs) And I I mentioned this because some years ago I spent a few weeks in a hospital and there was a guy who cleaned my room and he would come in each day and tell me a dad joke, (laughs) like the worst joke on earth, the ones that just made you uh, groan. But I look forward to those every day. And here we go with some. Al Pacino will star in a world class as a world class knitter in the movie Scarf Face. Oh <laughs> yeah, a snake walks into a bar. The bartender said, how did you do that? Uh. <laughs> how, how come we call it a slice of bread but a piece of toast? So I, was, I spotted a Bing Crosby album in an ancient boom box in a thrift store. Bought a Bing, bought a boom. <laughs> did Pandora have a junk drawer? How does a possum know if its baby is really sleeping do leaves have nightmares about falling 
And does a Bigfoot get a lot of speeding tickets? Some serious things to think about right there. Remember, folks, heartless while driving past, thanks for listening. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, thank you, as always, for your wonderful company. Hope your yard is getting all cleaned up and uh, the garden least thought about getting put away. Oh, it's it's always a, a work in progress. Thanks, Al. Chat, chat with you next week, okay? All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.